our regular observance of the Lord's table here in our church, and I believe it's appropriate to spend a few minutes talking about this since we are in this study uh, of John's gospel. Uh, This was not just an occasion for Jesus and his friends to get together for lunch, uh, you know, or a meal and have a time of uh, fellowship, so to speak, of time of joking and storytelling and so forth. This was the observance of the Passover meal, which would become an, opportun- an opportunity for the Lord to really change the observance into a memorial of which um, uh, of what he would do uh, for all mankind. And the Lord Jesus ate the Passover supper one night and became the Passover uh, lamb himself the next day. And this was the night before the crucifixion of Christ. If we go back to Matthew chapter 26, uh, we notice in verse 17, Matthew chapter 26, verse 17, it says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go unto the city to, uh, to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready for the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, and the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe to him that the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it hath been good that it had been good that that man, if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now, of course, we believe there are two ordinances that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to be observed in his church. Uh, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper and the ordinance of the believer's baptism. Now, some churches, as we said, as we've studied the book of John, have said there's three ordinances. Uh, they would include what we saw earlier in our study of John 13, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and said uh, it was an example for them to follow. Yes, it was an example, but it was an example or a picture uh, of serving others. But nowhere is it commanded to be observed as an ordinance of the local church. Now, there are some important Bible lessons concerning the Lord's uh, Supper that I think uh, we should know. First of all, the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover Supper. Uh, Back in uh, Exodus chapter 12, we see the Lord is about to deliver his people out of the bondage of Egypt. And he's going to do it by blood, so to speak. 
And as he sent the plague after plague, no plague, no judgment ever delivered one single Israelite from bondage of Egypt, but blood did. God said, now take and slay a lamb. In Hebrews 9.22 it says, without the shedding of blood there is no remission. And he said, sprinkle the blood on the lintel of the door and on the two posts and I will pass over tonight in judgment and I'll, I'll slay the firstborn of that home. And that's where we get that word, Passover. Now God said that this lamb had to be without spot, without blemish, because it typified the perfect lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Its blood was shed, its body was consumed, not a bone of it was to be broken, just like no bones of Jesus were broken on the cross when ordinarily they would have been. A Roman soldier would have come to break the legs of the crucifixion victims to be sure that they were dead. But when they came to Jesus, he was dead. He said he is dead already. And so they would not break the word of God, for the word of God said, A bone of him shall not be broken. But of the Passover lamb, God said, Someday, when your children are going to ask, What means this Passover supper? You remind them that they were delivered from Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Remember and tell them, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, of course, the Lamb was looking in two different directions. It was looking backward to the deliverance of Egypt and forward to the coming of the true Lamb of God. And you see, that Lamb was a type. It looked backward to the deliverance of Egypt, looked backward to deliverance and redemption and look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins. John one twenty nine says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And the same thing is true of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper will look in two ways as well. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. And that's the looking backward. The finished work, a blood work on the cross. You do show the Lord's death till he come. That's pointing to his second coming. That's a looking forward. And I'm simply saying that the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover Supper. And uh, I don't think we understand it unless we see that connection. Now there are some that believe uh, that has never changed. That is, it's still the same as the Passover. That, of course, is not true. It could not possibly be true. God has never told us to slay a lamb. Uh, God has never told us to put a lamb aside for three days and scrutinize it as the Lord was scrutinized for three years. God never told us to do that, nor to slay the lamb and sprinkle the blood. Uh, That was already done on the cross. And so the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover lamb. Notice, secondly, the meaning of the Lord's Supper. What does the Lord's Supper mean? You know, sometimes people think, well, if we're going to observe the Lord's Supper properly, then it should be observed using fermented wine, not just the fruit of the wine or vine. But let me say this, that the Bible never contradicts itself. Never. God said, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth color, is color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. God never contradicts himself. This, there's a generic term for wine in the New Testament. It's like when Jesus turned the water into wine at the marriage feast. 
It was not fermented liquid. That generic term is oinos in the Greek, used uh, uh, means a liquid made from grapes. And the generic term does not mean that it was a fermented substance. It's like grape juice, and there's a misunderstanding about this uh, and what the Lord's Supper really means. You take, for instance, the Catholic doctrine, which believes in transubstantiation. Catholics say there are seven ordinances. Catholic Church says that the bread actually becomes the body of Jesus, and the wine literally becomes the blood of Jesus. And uh, no one can see where, uh, I mean, we can see perhaps how they would think this way. You know, Jesus handed the bread uh, 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 to uh, the disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body. When he handed them the cup, he said, drink all of it, for this is my blood. But then wait a minute here. In John chapter 6, at the great miracle feeding of the 5,000, he said to the people, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. But Jesus did not say, You have to eat this flesh and drink this blood. You see, the Bible also says that man is not to drink the blood in the Old Testament. So, when Jesus was teaching the parable of sowing in the Word of God, the field is the world. The field was not really the world, it just represented the world. When he said, the seed you sow is the word of God, the seed did not become the Bible, the word of God, it just represented the Bible. And that's what God is talking about when he says, this broken element represents my body. The fruit of the vine represents the blood shed on the cross of Calvary. And no Christian who believes the Bible and sees the Lord And here's one illustration after another to teach this truth could ever say that we should take communion. It actually becomes the body of Jesus and we drink the actual blood of Jesus Christ. So what is the Lord's Supper? It's a memorial. Paul taught that. Jesus taught that. And uh, you notice that Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers. He gave the order and the meaning of the Lord's table. We follow that uh, in our practice today. So the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover. The meaning of it is that it's a memorial. And then there's a purpose for it. We find the purpose of the Lord's Supper. And uh, I think, you know, as we think about the Lord's Supper, and, uh, you know, sometimes this is observed as communion on Sunday mornings and so forth. I like it to be in the afternoon or the evening because it's supper. I know you just ate lunch, right? But uh, some Baptist churches would say, well, when we observe the Lord's Supper, it's only for members of this local church. No, the Lord's Supper is the Lord's Supper. It's not this church's supper. Um, It's not just for us or or for members. It's for the Lord's people. It's not for the unsaved. You remember Judas? When Jesus said, one will betray me, one of you is a devil. He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish. Uh, uh, Judas asked, is it I? And he said, thou sayest. Uh, He went out. Uh, Judas never partook of the Lord's Supper. He had no right because he was a lost man. If any, it was for only saved people, any child of God who is right with God. And we'll say a little bit more about that in a minute here. But the purpose, again, has to do with our uh, look 
as I've already mentioned, uh, we have a backward look. It's a backward look to the finished work. When we sit together at this table, uh, uh, we can look back to the cross and hear him cry, It is finished. Our sins have been paid for completely. We look back to the finished work and the completed work. Uh, we look inwardly. Uh, Paul said here in First uh, 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 Corinthians 11, But um, let a man examine himself. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, it should be a time when a Christian asks himself, Is there any con- unconfessed sin in my life? And I think uh, many a Christian has what we would call sins of the spirit. Maybe they've not robbed a bank or killed someone or stolen any money or done something as overt as that, but they have sins of the spirit. They're envious, they're jealous, they have hatred, they have ill will, they have malice in their hearts. And that's just as much a sin as any sin. When a Christian comes to this table, though, Paul said, look inward, look inward. Not only look backward to the finished work, but look inward. Let a man examine himself. As the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me to the way of understanding. You know, what would you think is if, as we were preparing to partake of the Lord's Supper, someone leaned over to another person and said, Brother so-and-so, I want you to forgive me for the things I've said to you. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And another person says, yes, I will forgive you. You see, that is what is supposed to take place if we come to this table and there's something in our hearts against another brother in Christ. If there's something that we have not confessed, we have not dealt with. Now, if that other person isn't here, I don't believe we should even partake until we've gotten it right with them. But the Bible says, let a man examine himself. Not only look backward to the finished work, but look inward for heart searching. And then there's one other look, and that's the upward look. Again, we've mentioned this look already, but Paul talks about we're looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. I trust you are this afternoon looking for Christ's coming. And so when we sit at the table, we're... We have an upward look as well, till Jesus come. The Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover. The meaning of the Lord's Supper is it's a memorial. The purpose is a backward look, an inward look, and an upward look. And then fourthly, the penalties of partaking in an unworthy manner. Now, if in First Corinthians there, you notice in partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily, Uh, When Paul says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or condemnation to himself. He's not saying that if a Christian has some sin or is not perfect, that he's partaking unworthily. But that's not what the verse is teaching. To partake unworthily is to abuse it, as some people were doing there in the church at Corinth. Some were making a feast of drunkenness. Uh, Some came and ate until they were full, uh, while some of the poor sat in the back and went hungry. So a Christian has to search his heart. Yes, we need to search our hearts. We need to have our hearts right before the Lord. Well, 
when talking about the Lord's Supper, Paul, uh, Paul describes, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? I praise you not. And there are some results of partaking of the supper unworthily. There's uh, debility. There's disease. There's death. He says, for this cause, that is perverting the Lord's table, many are weak. They are have a uh, debility. Uh, They're sickly. They're diseased. That doesn't mean every time one gets sick that God is punishing you. But you think about it for a moment. Why do people get sick? Why do most people get sick? I mean, it's a part of life. We've had a lot of sickness here this winter, haven't we? Well, our frail human bodies just don't last long. Not as long as we'd like for them to. And we get sick. Uh, When a saint of God is sick, don't think, well, I wonder what he or she's been doing. I I wonder what kind of sin they're involved in. Don't think that. But you know, God sends sickness, and sometimes it is for the perversions of the table of the Lord. He said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly, and many sleep. He may even take someone prematurely to heaven because they perverted the table of the Lord. They misused it. So it's important, it's serious, and yet it's, it's beautiful to sit together, look backward to the cross, forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, lastly, notice the people of the Lord's Supper. Now, I've already referred to the fact that the Lord's Supper is for saved people. Only a child of God should partake of this ordinance, either the ordinance of baptism or the ordinance of the Lord's table. If you're saved and you've been obedient to the Lord in scriptural baptism, baptism by immersion after you're saved, you should partake. I think it's right that you have... Uh, that you be right with the Lord as you come to this table. Uh, you don't uh, do not get baptized in order to be saved. Uh, you get baptized because you are saved. You don't partake of the Lord's Supper in order to be saved. You partake because you are saved. So, uh, and we've already mentioned Judas and the fact that he left the table. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out. And it was night, as it says in John thirteen thirty. Yes, it was night. Ever since, in the dark soul of the soul, uh, in the dark soul of Judas, he knew nothing of the love that Jesus spoke of, as we talked about this morning in John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. He sang no hymn, as the others did at the close of the supper. He knew nothing of the meaning of the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, those at the Lord's table are blood-washed, born-again people. They feel His outflow of love and they love one another. They experience a glorious unity, unspoiled by sin and carnality. And what a sweet time to come together for the love of the saints and the glory of the Savior. And so the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover. The meaning is that it's a memorial for what Jesus did for us. The purpose is a backward, inward, upward look. There are penalties for those who partake unworthily. And the people of the Lord's Supper are saved, baptized, obedient Christians who love the Lord and dwell together in the unity of the Spirit. And I trust that this afternoon as we've 
taken again, once again, a, a, another look at the Lord's Supper. You say, you know, Pastor, we, know, we do this every, every month. Well, there are some young Christians here, too. You know, as the Lord told the children of Israel, when you partake of the Passover and your children ask you about this, you should be able to tell them. And I'm telling you who are older and you know this, you've been saved for many years, but it's also telling our young people so they understand what the Lord's Supper is all about. I don't want them to have a misconception of what the Lord's Supper is. I trust that we've given to you the Word of God as it's given to us, and our young people will understand that as well. As we come to this table then, I want you to turn to number 236 